Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 46, week two of the Face at London Major 2018, The Legends Stage. Are we rushing in, or are we going sneaky-beaky-like? So before we get stuck into week two of the major, just a little bit of news. Tainted Minds, the uh, Australian team, have done a swap with Order. They traded Inns for Seco. And they've also gotten rid of Yam and Burn Are You OK, bringing in APOC from Chiefs. Tainted uh, are now a majority New Zealand team, so that's bad luck for them. <laughs> uh, Yam's looking to go to Europe. He's expressed his interest in uh, going back to the old world. And Tainted are willing to waive his contract if anyone wants him. So that's nice. That's how you do it. Team orgs, take note. Red Reserve have benched Twist. Twist is the uh, Swedish player who's had a lot of praise from the community and he had quite a good rating, 1.12. It's unclear what's happened to him and uh, rumours that he would go to an IP or Fnatic uh, perhaps don't have such a great grasp of what's happened in the past because JW came out in an HLTV interview and said he had previously turned down offers from both teams. Um, also in the news, I became a Reddit star. I animated some skis over JW and pretended he was skiing past uh, Windstrike in the major. Now, this was just something I did in the evening and it got 6,500 upvotes, which is 6,495 more upvotes than my last podcast episode on Reddit. So, obviously, the universe is telling me something. But uh, this is the power of quitting Counter-Strike, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Having quit, uh, I am more productive. I am healthier. I feel clearer. And I've also now quit all games as of this morning, deleting them from my phone and my Steam account. So, expect me to announce my run for president in the next few days. Let's move on to the legend stage. All right, so I took a shit ton of notes in this uh, week, and we're going to go deep into a lot of matches. If you saw them, you may uh, not want to listen to this app and tune out and go and do something else with your life. But if you didn't, this is going to be the deep recap you were looking for. Day one, we saw G2 versus Hellraisers on Dust 2. This looked very close, went into overtime. G2 just managed to close it out. Issa was looking absolutely fantastic. Uh, this was the first time we'd actually seen G2 for a while. And their roles seemed a little little more defined than the last time we saw them. Shox was doing a lot of Tier 1 lurking, and that seemed to pay off. However, they didn't seem like they were fully firing, and Smith said in an interview that they'd need another four months to be completely at full power, which is, uh, you know... <laughs> doesn't bode well. Uh, Bondic also tweeted straight after this match that something really, really wrong was going with going on with him and since they came to London, he couldn't kill anyone. He went down 12 to 31 this map. Who knows why? He did manage to come back in the rest of the series. However, second matchup was Liquid versus Windstrike. Mirage, this was disastrous for Windstrike. Windstrike, of course, were Quantum Bellator Fire. Previously, they were the uh, massive underdog story at the Boston E-League Major. But they did look like Gold Novas here versus Liquid, who looked more like Globals. It was very nice to see Boomich back on the, the, the screen again, but they're just not on the same tier. 
We saw FaZe in their first matchup versus Big on Dust 2. This went 16-5 to Big. FaZe just looked completely outcast. Outclass, I should say. <laughs> outcast. Uh, Gobby even said that the pressure on FaZe is what makes them an easier team to play against. This is an interview, I think, with HLTV. He said they had an advantage having played for a week already. And uh, it was pretty clear. Smooya went ham. Um, and Carrigan was top fragging on FaZe, and that is not a good sign. I think Guardian is somewhat the make-or-break player on this team, and he was missing for the most part. The comms seemed really off, and the coordination was just not there. Something was very, very off in phase, and we will obviously get to them as the coverage of matches continues. We saw Complexity versus Fnatic in the first matchup. There was just a 16-3 stomp on Inferno from Complexity. There was nothing interesting or strong from Fnatic on the T side, and the CT side was just not tight with the comms and the team play. However, the complexity comms were great on the CT side. They had great rotations, great team flashes. Stanislaw was top fragging. Android had some great multi-kills. This was an amazing start for this team. At this point, actually, in the week, they'd only played Inferno, which brings to mind the big run in the Krakow Major where they basically got to the semis just playing Inferno and then bombed out in the best of threes. We'll get to more complexity later on, but I did, 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 did think at this point, well... My uh, misgivings about Stanislaw and what he had up his sleeve were perhaps unfounded. He did continue to surprise me as the week went on. Then we saw Tyloo versus MIBR. At the beginning, it seemed <laughs> MIBR were definitely back and Fallen was popping off. And then Tyloo came back and Tyloo's CT side was fat and managed to uh, give them this match. We saw NIP versus Mouse Sports. And uh, Oscar and Chris J were just missing some incredibly easy orb shots. They were screwing up their team flashes. It felt like a, it was just all over the shop. There was rumors that someone's going to be replaced by Bialy post-major. Perhaps they hadn't done good things for their chemistry. Perhaps they already knew this was going to happen. Perhaps it was just a rumor and they were playing scared. Um, I did think that Lecro was absolutely popping off, though, for NIP. And he looks like the absolute best or you could say worst trade from Fnatic, or the best trade for NIP in uh, in a while. Dennis finally won a 1v2 clutch on the B-bomb site, and overall I thought Get Right was looking in amazing form. It was interesting to hear in a post-match interview from this match with uh, HLTV, uh, Rez saying that Dennis is a support player now, that, he's, that, that Dennis is the one getting info players, and he's the one who's not afraid to die first, which I thought perhaps could be the key to this lineup going deep. If Dennis has adjusted to the support playing role. I did think on this map he adjusted a little better than we saw him the first week, but as we'll see, I don't think he managed to do it as well as they needed. Uh, we saw Navi versus Stralis on this day. This was Inferno, and this looked quite evenly stacked between the two teams. Of course, uh, Stralis are number one, and I think Navi is number two at this point. Simple was missing some easy shots. Edward didn't seem to be able to get a kill. I think he had six in total in this game, in a game with 30 rounds. So a bit disastrous there. All in all, Australis were looking just a little bit sharper, just honed a little bit sharper, perhaps a result of having played for that week straight at a high level, whereas Na'Vi were just boot camping. Uh, eventually, Australis edged, edged uh, Na'Vi out 16-14, and uh, I did have a weird uh, sort of inkling notion, hunch, that Edward might uh, be traded out for Hobbit post-ESL one New York, as we said last week, Gambit are going to get rid of their CSGO roster and there'll be five CIS players up for grabs. Chad uh, thought that um, perhaps Astralis at this point were playing 
4D underwater water chess. When I say Chad, of course, I mean Chad Sponge Birchall, erstwhile Australian caster. Um, he said that maybe Australis were only playing Mirage and Inferno in these stages because they are saving their strats on other maps like Nuke and Overpass for the best of three stages. Well, I actually think he might be right. I think this uh, this could be a little bit of a turnaround from a team like Australis, or perhaps even Big, who get their best maps vetoed in these best of threes and best of fives and then uh, come out with a bunch of other maps that they've completely gone deep in preparation for. We also saw Cloud9 versus Vega Squadron on this day and this was the first time we'd seen Cloud9 for a while. This was on Mirage. They've had more time to practice with Steco and Golden at this point, but Cloud9 were looking very awkward. They went down 3-12 to 12 on the T side and eventually lost it 15-4. to 15-4? to 4. Uh, 16 to 4, it should be, uh, versus Vega Squadron. Junior was looking pretty snappy on the AWP. I, I guess his name is probably actually JR, but I always think of it as Junior. Um, from the outside, I think the organic build of the Cloud9 roster that won them the last major seems all but depleted. The story sort of feels like it's been interrupted. Even the narrative of the disparate players at this point in time doesn't match up. We've got Automatic Rush and Skadoodle who were sort of abandoned by the more ambitious members of their team, Tarek and Stewie the more uh, energetic members of the team. Golden got kicked from a Swedish team for what seems like social and chemistry reasons, despite winning two major tournaments with them. And then Sticko was kicked from, a, kicked from a mixed European team for what seemed like under-fragging, despite being in the support role. So it's very hard to say whether this is actually what's wrong with the lineup, but that's what it would seem. That's the outside picture. It seems like a team that's been completely de-balled. Um, so it's random, it's disjointed, it's flat from Cloud9 at this point. Uh, day two, we saw Big versus Tyloo. Big closed it out, just had a whole lot more identity, a whole lot more cohesion. We saw Fnatic versus Windstrike. This was on, on Inferno and some very, very questionable rounds from Fnatic, especially on their CT side. Although they did manage to win it out f just through what seems like solid grit in the end. Uh, we saw Vega Squadron versus Stralis. And uh, apparently Vega Squadron had only played 10 offline maps in the last six months. And this was their first offline showing for the lineup. Imagine, imagine, imagine having your first offline showing at a major against Astralis. Well, your second map, actually, I guess. Inferno didn't go well. By the first half, Chopper didn't have a single kill, who's meant to be one of their stars. Then Astralis got 13 rounds in a row and destroyed Vega. Unfortunately, it's back to the uh, drawing board for Vega as we'll see in the next matchup. And uh, hopefully that team will have quite a few more chances to play some lands so they don't just turn up at another major and sort of bomb out like this. And we saw Cloud9 versus Hellraisers on Inferno, and Sticko was basically the only Cloud9 player who really went up as hard as the Hellraisers players. Uh, they did manage to get things into overtime. Automatic finally stepped up there. And then when the cameras were on them, the difference in team mentality between Hellraisers and Cloud9 was absolutely stark. Cloud9 looked like a bunch of strangers embarrassed to be in the same room. It reminded me of The Breakfast Club, the old uh, John Hughes film, where a bunch of people with absolutely nothing in common were put on detention together. Uh, Hellraisers were yelling at each other, high-fiving, pumping each other up, and it was just painful to watch. Hellraisers eventually took it with uh, some very bizarre rounds on both sides. And uh, interestingly, in an interview with Automatic, he said they told Sticko not to support as much and just to make his own plays and be more selfish. And uh, having top fragged as a result of that, um, <laughs> I guess we're going to see a different Sticko in the future. 
Uh, we saw Complexity versus G2, and this was on cash, and Complexity dominated on the T side. G2 made a huge comeback with shocks actually looking good for the first time in basically the last century. Uh, well, at least since he had some um, surgery on his wrist. Existence was missing kill-wise, but complexity held on and won. And by this point, it feels like Ye is basically the new Boomich. Uh, he talked about in, in his previous interview that none of his parents or friends back home were supporting him in playing CS. So it's very nice to see Ye grinning from ear to ear after their victories. And uh, I have this thing where I completely judge the character of these players uh, based on seeing them play which is totally unfair because, you know, it's just their reactions to victories uh, or losses and their, their little post-match interviews. And actually, I was listening to, um, as I think I mentioned last week, some of my earlier episodes, and the judgments I've made on some of the players having not spoken to them or seen much of their interviews are pretty harsh. <laughs> um, and I would definitely revise some of them now. But I did have a... Uh, I, d- I still have a bit of a... Uh, a judgment, I guess, on Stanislaw because he just seems incapable of smiling. However, having Ye on the team who just seems incapable of not smiling seems like a really nice way to balance it out. It's like someone's picking up the slack. Uh, Stan afterwards said he really didn't have a game plan, which doesn't bode well, but perhaps he's playing a bit of 4D underwater chess here, pretending he doesn't have a game plan. Um, I really want to like Complexity, and as you will see, I ended up liking them a lot by the end of this week. They make a lot of uh, content behind the scenes, which is great, and it's an amazing journey they've come on. Uh, Liquid versus NIP also happened this day. Uh, Liquid won 16-10. I have no idea why NIP picked Mirage here. Perhaps they were also saving strats because Mirage, they'd basically played, I think, almost all of their maps at this point. Uh, as Nitro said in the in the pre-match or the post-match interview, Liquid had had 60 rounds to study before the match of NIP on Mirage. So, unfortunately, it just felt like NIP were getting read a bit too easily. And plus, all of the skill in the Liquid players is so on point at this point. They uh, they really feel like they're peaking, and NIP just couldn't be as sharp. We saw Phase <clears throat> versus Navi on this day. This was Overpass. And uh, I, I was of the opinion that this was FaZe's greatest map when they first started their tear in um, around this time, 2017. And they looked good for once. They went up 10-5 to 5 on the CT side, and then they choked. They choked and lost at 16-14. to 14. Na'Vi read them every round on the T side. Their strats looked lackluster, and they looked totally uncoordinated. Rain shot Olaf Meister at the beginning of the round. Uh, I think towards the end, it just felt like, what the hell is going on with FaZe? Uh, and we'll get to what the hell was going on with FaZe. But uh, the other match of that day was MIBR versus Mouse Sports. I couldn't watch this one. It was basically 5 a.m. at this point. I'd been up all night despite having to work at 9 a.m. But this looked fairly convincing on the scoreboard for MIBR. Fallen went up large. Mouse Sports didn't get any positive players other than Sunny. Uh, of course, once again, this was played on Mirage, a map of uh, Mouse Sports that other teams basically read months and months ago. And Snacks was at the bottom of the scoreboard yet again. And now, day three, we saw Fnatic versus Vegas Squadron. This is a very close game on Inferno that eventually went 16 to 14 Fnatic's way. Fnatic was still looking bloody shaky, but I guess the solid stone balls of Crimson JW managed to keep them in this game. Only to the second half of this, Draken was making some very questionable plays in the moments I saw, and they weren't paying off. 
We saw Hellraisers versus Tyloo. I didn't see this match, actually, but it was the first time we'd seen Tyloo on a map other than Inferno at the Major. And stat-wise, Bentet and Excrit performed well, as we've come to expect. Watsik, uh, Bondic, and Issa fragged hard, but Hellraiser were able to take it. Um, yes, because of that because of that core, because of Boxic, Bondic, and Issa, who I think uh, are going to have a very solid future going ahead as a core. We saw Windstrike versus Cloud9 was played up on Inferno and ended up going uh, going into overtime. And uh, Windstrike really had Cloud9 on the ropes. Uh, but Automatic and Skadoodle pushed Windstrike out of the tournament eventually, which means that Windstrike will have to go through the minors for the next stage, unfortunately. Um, now, despite winning this map and Cloud9 just holding on to the tournament by the skin of their teeth, it was notably awkward between the C9 players afterwards. Even though they'd won, uh, it was just like so flat. Notably, Rush and Stiko, who sit side by side, said absolutely nothing to each other. Didn't even look at each other once they won. In the post-match interview, Golden stood with his arms folded, seemingly on the defensive. Every time Parler asked him a question, he stepped back even further until he was kind of jammed up against the desk. Um, perhaps there's just a massive amount of pressure on this young man. I mean, he has taken over leadership of a team that won the major last year, uh, kicked from you know another massive team. Could just be that he's feeling a huge amount of pressure on his small shoulders. And uh, he even said that he was at, at times just yelling out to assert his leadership, which reminds one of those sort of insecure dogs that bark loudly because they're sort of a bit uncertain as to either how their owner feels about them or how the situation is going. They're insecure. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> not a good sign. We saw Complexity versus Big this day. It happened on Nuke, which was nice to see a different bloody map in these two weeks. And uh, as the analyst surmised, was was not the map that God B was preparing for. Took him by surprise, and it didn't seem like that at all at the beginning. Complexity seemed very well prepared for it. Had some very good dyads, groups of two players working together, much better prepared than big. Um, and then because they won, Complexity became the first team to reach the top eight. Forcing me to admit my feelings about them team were far more lukewarm than they needed to be. And apparently Def is now the first UK player ever to make a major. So that's a wonderful thing uh, to be happening in London especially. Uh, we had Na'Vi versus NIP. It happened on train. NIP were looking very okay on their T side. Their star players did not come up with the shots, however. In fact, Les and, uh, Les and Recro. Rez and Lecro bottom fragged, and it was really their CT side in the end that fell apart, mainly because they gambled in a forced buy that ruined their economy for the rest of the game. You can't, you can't ruin your economy when you're playing against uh, Zeus because he just does not stop buying. Um we saw G2 versus MIBR. This was on Inferno. MIBR was looking amazing. G2 was looking terrible. <laughs> That's the entirety of my notes for that matchup. We saw Australis versus Liquid. Um, always a good map. Always a good matchup, I should say. This was on Inferno. And Liquid went up 13-2 to on their first half on T. Obviously, having done a lot of research on how Australis plays the CT sides, Australis and fought back massively, obviously, having done a lot of research on how Liquid plays their T side, the CT sides, and it went into overtime, um, with eventually Liquid winning it out in in the first overtime. So, 
let's hope we get a best of three between those two of this major because that, that'll be juicy. We saw FaZe versus Mouseports. Now, FaZe knocked uh, Mouseports out on Mirage, uh, knocking them completely out of the tournament as well. It was a 16-8, and it was a bloody relief to wake up to. I wasn't able to see it. Um, and Mouseports were looking as creaky as they have been um, in the highlights that I did check out, check up on. Uh, they were missing smokes. They were missing flashes. They seemed distracted and focused. Lots of people pointed out, in fact, uh, that Sunny was basically the only player who showed up out of the Mouseports roster to this major. Um, and apparently, at the major, Mouseports played 45 CT rounds and they managed to win only 16. So that is not a good sign, and I think we'll be seeing more changes to that roster in the very near future. Now, moving on to day four, the second last day and the last day of the Swiss one-on-ones. We saw Big versus Hellraisers, and Big won this quite convincingly, pushing uh, Hellraisers into the final day best of threes. Smuya looked very impressive. Gobby had amazing entries, and Gobby... As was pointed out by, um, I can't remember where I read it, but he's 31 and I think is the oldest player to be in the Legends stage and are going into the champion stage. So good on him for keeping the dream alive for us oldies. Uh, NIP versus Vegas Squadron happened. NIP won. I didn't get to see that match, but uh, Vegas Squad out out in the boonies after this one. Then we saw FaZe versus Tai Lu. This is Mirage again. And... Okay, so this was the this was possibly one of the most interesting uh, matches for me in the last week because FaZe were down 0-2 and if they hadn't won this, they would have been completely out of the major before even getting to the third week to the champion stage, which would have been an absolute massive shock and upset. Now, what happened at the start, <clears throat> you could see on the cameras that Nico was the one doing all the talking. Carrigan looked quite, uh, I wouldn't say demure, but quiet. And shortly after they started playing, um, Sponge tweeted out that he was 95% sure Nico was doing the calling for the team. I think he was standing near where, the, where they were playing. And extrapolating a situation from not much information, um, it's possible that the... Well, before I before I before I get into my my how should I say it my theory crafting, uh, it should be noted that Nico did an interview this morning saying that he had taken over the role of IGL just for the moment, and for ESL One New York just because they were down zero two, the morale in the team was low, they were confused, they were disorganized, they weren't playing well, they weren't hitting their shots, and he said, "Look, why don't I take over the role?" Uh, or I don't know if, if he suggested it, but it was to build up their confidence again and to try something new because what Carrigan was doing wasn't working. Uh, so it, 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 uh, it's possible that uh, Carrigan was facing a, a mutiny from his players or perhaps just disgruntlement from his top fragger. If Nico wasn't happy and the team wasn't going to be happy and he might have just done this to allow the team to be happy. Um, there's been a lot of uh, speculation as to Carrigan's future after this sort of a move. But we have to say, we have to acknowledge um, <laughs> that FaZe, for the first time in this whole major, played absolutely like the FaZe 
we know and love. The phase we saw absolutely stomp the rest of the entire CSGO scene this time last year. Now, before this even kind of was tweeted out by Sponge and became evident, I did write down in my notes that I I still don't think it's a good sign how conscious of the cameras Carrigan is uh, before and after matches. And I'm a FaZe fan, I'm a Carrigan fan, but it makes me squirm because before a match, instead of talking to his teammates or warming up or focusing on the upcoming match, he's constantly looking towards the cameraman to see if the camera is on him. Um, Now, look, we all have different ways of focusing and he's a multi-trophy winning IGL, so who knows what works for him. But it always made me feel a bit uncomfortable. And I did notice that once Nico took over the calling in, uh, in this in this day and the day after, Carrigan was far less conscious of the camera and was far more focused. His eyes were down. He wasn't looking around. He seemed far more focused on the game. So, I don't know. Maybe taking some pressure off his shoulders for a bit has really worked. Uh, either way, um, I think the main difference, it seemed, between Carrigan and Nico's calls were that phase slowed down a lot, um, which, I, which if I remember in... Um, ESL one, where was it? What did they win this year? ESL one, uh, one of the big, one of the big tournaments they won this year. That was for me a sign that uh, they were playing a lot more relaxed, and it made a big difference to their success. And to do it here, just felt like, all right, someone's actually taking charge here. And what it meant was that they play default at least until like 45, 45 seconds. And just hold for other for the other team to be pushing, um, and I'm talking about the T side here. And that always netted them at like one or two frags, and we saw it in day five as well. And once they had that, then they went and pushed a site. And it was like, why do they not do that more often? What is Carrigan thinking of? Like, well, who knows? It's uh, it's impossible to surmise. They they won this map 16-4. Rain was entering like a mofo. Olaf was multi-fragging. Guardian was hitting the shots he needs to. And most importantly, Nico was banging it hard. Um, Excret missed a lot of shots. They didn't have the same composure they usually do. Perhaps this was uh, because of FaZe com- calling completely different strats that uh, than um, uh, Tyler would prepared for. Uh, so I don't know. This is this to me is one of the most interesting storylines about this week, and we'll come back to it. Let's move on for the moment. We saw Navi versus Fnatic on this day. Fnatic went up on the T side, but Navi came back and absolutely tore Fnatic apart. Uh, Electronic was looking buff AF. We saw G2 versus Cloud9. This was on Inferno. G2 eventually won in overtime and eliminated Cloud9 from the tournament. So the Cloud9 who won the tournament last year, the whole thing, the whole shebang was eliminated by G2 who were looking absolutely shaky themselves. There were a lot of mistakes made by both teams. This this whole this whole map was a was a shamozzle. It felt like two drunk boxers just swinging at each other until one finally connected by accident. And Chad even apologized to viewers afterwards for such a bad game of Counter Strike. I've never seen a member of talent on a broadcast apologize publicly for the standard of play they were analyzing. So there were some colossal gaffes here, and both teams are going to have to do a lot of soul searching. Uh, Astralis versus MIBR was the final matchup, and <laughs> this was one for the ages. Astralis beat MIBR, made in Brazil, with the core of Fallen, Fur, and Cold. Major winners. One of the most dominant teams in the last two years. They beat them 16-0 on Dust2, and it was bizarre how bad MIBR were. 
And this apparently was the first major 16-0. So now, uh, some of you are asking me what happened here. And my best guess, I think there are two, I think there are two, two theories we can craft. Cole did talk about it in an interview with HLTV, and I'm sure there are other members talking about it. But here's what I think perhaps happened. One, they didn't prepare well enough at all. And Australis just over-prepared for MIBR because there are quite a few Dust2 um, maps they could look at for MIBR. Plus, MIBR had to concentrate on other maps to strengthen their map pool before this major and might not have looked at Dust2 because they were already quite confident on it. They'd had a really convincing victory on it at Zotac Grand Final and they'd had a few good, map, a few good uh, times they'd played it since then. The other theory is quite bizarre... And um, oh, and I guess part of that first theory is that well, once they were heavily, heavily anti-strated, at least nine rounds down, as Cold Zero was saying, at nine zero, they just sort of lost their shit, and uh, <clears throat> at that point, it became an emotional loss, a total mental game, a tilt. Uh, the other theory, which is absolutely bizarre, and I'm not prone to conspiracy theories, but um, Daddy Fallen does have an IQ of 400 and is prone to playing underwater blindfold chess. They, having lost this on such a full-on manner, may have changed their seeding in the new Buchholz system, I think that's how you pronounce it, to give them an easier matchup in the week going ahead, which would have meant that Fallen, <coughs> or whoever made this decision, perhaps Coach Yanko, was so confident in their map pool and their best of three ability that they were willing to lose 16 nil. So, a pretty bizarre theory, <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? The world is strange. So, the final day, day five, we saw <coughs> everybody going up against each other for the final eliminations in best of threes. First up was Fnatic versus Hellraisers. First map was Mirage. Fnatic had a massive comeback on this from 14-5 down. They were down 14-5, and they came back to win in overtime. And it was basically the Crims show here. He went ham. I feel like Crims is the kind of player you just don't want to make mad. Second map was Dust2. It uh, looked even less positive for Fnatic, unfortunately. In the third map of Cash, Hellraisers just took a giant dump on Fnatic. Who didn't even look like a team. I think they only got two rounds. Issa was the shining star here. And Fnatic have been eliminated from the major for the very first time. That's right, Fnatic have been in every single major until now. 12 majors, and then in the 13th, they couldn't make the legend stage. The champion stage, I should say. Uh, or Well, they won't be returning in the legend stage next major, which will be in Katowice. I'll have to fight it uh, through the uh, minor system. God, I don't know. I'm so confused. You know what confuses me in this game still? The major system and the overtime system just does my head in. We'll have to do the whole episode on that later on. Uh, <coughs> so it's a shame... Uh, to see Fnatic go out, but they did not look like they deserved to win here and go through at all. Draken uh, has been the target of a lot of, uh, how should we say, controversy regarding some of his uh, provocative tweets in the direction of CIS and Windstrike. Um, and to eventually be knocked out by uh, a CIS team is perhaps apt. Uh, like some other people were saying, I don't think he deserves any criticism for his tweets. He was just a bit of banter. However, I think he probably deserves some criticism for his play. The times I did see his point of view, he was not 
up to par. He just wasn't solid enough. He wasn't consistent enough. And, of course, Exist has copped a lot of criticism. But uh, Flusher notably had a, a shaky performance as well. So I don't know what, what's wrong with Fnatic and what, what they're going to need what they're going to need to do. Uh, so we'll move on. We saw FaZe versus G2 in a best of three. And the first match just filled my little heart with joy. Like their previous match with uh, Tai Lu, FaZe were looking like a completely different team to their first two matches. They were playing it slow. They were watching their flanks. They were mixing up their calls and hitting some dirty, dirty headshots. First map was Mirage and Olaf Meister. Oh, it's like vintage Olaf. He just went absolutely beastmeister mode. He was lurking. He was entering. He was holding down sights. He top fragged. Second map of Dust Two was a crazy comeback from FaZe. Uh, it went into overtime three times, and it was very shaky on both sides. And there were some amazing clutches on both sides, and it eventually went into overtime. Uh, sorry, eventually went to FaZe. And uh, before I get too excited. Um, Having changed the IGLs at the last minute, it's unclear to me whether whether or not this means FaZe is back, but you could see the chemistry that they had when they were first dominating. They were laughing, they were relaxed, they were joking, and everybody was turning up. Everybody was having clutches, and even Carrigan, who uh, wasn't as lively as he usually is, was playing at a level that is Tier 1. You know, as he said in his interview with me at IEM Sydney, when he's not concentrating on IGLing, he's very good at clicking heads. He's not a he's not a headless chicken. He's a very very solid player. So this is exciting, and they are in the final <clears throat> week of the major. Thank goodness. But um, now this next uh, the final best of three for day five was Ninjas in Pajamas versus Made in Brazil. First map was Cash, MIBR won in overtime. And uh, then NIP brought it back on Mirage, but uh, unfortunately for NIP, MIBR managed to close it out on Train. And as Fallen said in the post-match interview, there is a king of Train. Who is the king of Train? Well, Fallen is the king of Train. For an AWPA who thrives in chaos, it's the perfect map for him. I, 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 if I was any other Counter-Strike team, I would never play Fallen on Train if I could help it. Nip had a very hard time on the way in this major, uh, and I think it should be noted, although it's sad they got knocked out, they did have an, have an incredibly hard route, and probably harder than anybody else. They did play Liquid, Astralis, and MIBR, all of whom have gone through to the final week. Really sad to see NIP get knocked out of the major in this way. I think the it, it, it's unfair <clears throat> to point the finger at any one player, and overall, NIP looked far better than they've looked in a long time, um, Get Right and Forest were top fragging essentially. Um, but Dennis seemed to be the weak link here, and <clears throat> we all know De- Dennis. <clears throat> pardon me, can frag when he needs to, and perhaps it just needs a little more time getting used to the support role because when he was engaging in fights, he just seemed a little confused, a little unprepared, and a little out of place. Like he just sort of wasn't exactly sure where everyone was in the map and it would mean that he would start spraying like half a second after someone or just still be moving when he started spraying. So, you know, do I think they should make a roster change? I don't know, perhaps. Perhaps it just needs a little more time for the Dennis Meister 
to adjust the roles. Anyway, sad to see them go, but um, cool kind of come back in form from MIBR. I think once they get going, they're bloody scary. And if they have managed to work out uh, their formations a lot better, they're definitely going to be a scary team. Now, we should say, before we end up, uh, before we end this whole uh, uh, section on the week two of the Face It Major, the draw has been um, announced for the next week. We're going to have Big versus Na'Vi in the first best of three on Thursday. Then we'll have Complexity versus MIBR in the second best of three. We'll have Liquid versus Hellraisers, and we'll have Australis versus FaZe. Now, Big versus Na'Vi, uh, Big uh, actually in with a very good chance, I should think. Na'Vi obviously are an incredibly strong team, but Big has surprised us once again at this major with juicy juicy team play and if they can manage to knock Navi a little bit around I think they could scrape it out the the play from Tizian uh, from Tabson from Smuya has been top notch but Navi have the two huge hitters in electronic and simple so this will be a very interesting best of three complexity versus MIBR is once again just going to be like a really fascinating matchup uh, they've played each other a lot on NA servers, apparently, not as teams, but as individuals. Um, I think Complexity have the edge somewhat, considering the form they've been showing, and considering MIBR are still somewhat shaky. However, if they manage to get MIBR down, let's say it goes 1-1 and then MIBR are down in the third map, I would not put it past MIBR to come back because something about being down... And coming back is essential and uh, expected from the core of Fallen, Fur, and Cold. Liquid versus Hellraisers. I think, uh, unfortunately for Hellraisers, this looks like a bit of a victory for Liquid, at least on paper here. Liquid are just looking so sharp these days. Hellraisers have put up a good fight, but I still am not convinced they are completely firing on every single cylinder possible uh and finally australis versus phase now we did see a victory against australis in a best of three at im sydney we know phase can do it uh, even when australis is supposedly peaking as they were back then and <clears throat> although australis had a bit of a shaky start in this major they have come back and their 16-0 victory against mibr is surely good for their confidence however <coughs> i think the kind of uh I think the kind of, um, how should I say it, CSGO that uh, phase play is somewhat of a kryptonite for Astralis and they're very safe, very calculated, very uh, cerebral counter-strike. So this is going to be a, a fascinating matchup again. Um, personally, I'd love to see Guardian win a major. So unfortunately for Astralis, my money's on phase, even though I'm not actually putting any money on phase. Hashtag don't gamble. All right, that's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, give me a review on iTunes. Tweet me at the truth CSGO or send me an email, the truth at the truth CSGO.com. And until next time, enjoy the game. <laughs>